Welcome to Breathing Space, the quietest corner of the internet. I'm Sam Jarvis. Allow me to be your guide tonight as you sink deep into relaxation and escape into part one of this relaxing retelling of the classical tale The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. Before we begin, let's take a moment to wind down from the day. Come to settle in a comfortable position and when you're ready, allow your eyes to gently come to a close. Draw a long, lazy breath in through your nose and sigh out through your mouth. Breathe in and out. Inhale and exhale. Let your tongue fall away from the roof of your mouth. Soften your brow and release your shoulders, letting them sink and settle into the soft cushions beneath you. Tonight, let each deep breath that drifts in through your nose and out through your mouth draw you deeper and deeper into relaxation and transport you toward the soft green grass that carpets the meadow in which our story is set. As tonight's story begins, perhaps you can even hear the soft sounds of the stream and the brook babbling away. Now, if you're feeling ready, our tale can begin. The mole had been working very hard all the morning, spring cleaning his little home first with brooms, then with dusters, then on ladders and steps and chairs, till he had dust in his throat and eyes, and an aching back and weary arms. Spring was moving in the air above and in the earth below and around him, penetrating even his dark and lowly little house, with its spirit of divine discontent and longing. It was small wonder, then, that he suddenly flung down his brush on the floor and said, bother, and oh blow, and also hang spring cleaning, and bolted out of the house without even waiting to put on his coat. Something up above was calling him imperiously, and he made for the steep little tunnel which answered his case to the graveled carriage drive owned by animals whose residences are nearer to the sun and air. So he scraped and scratched and scrabbled and scrooged, and then he scrooged again and scrabbed and scratched and scraped, working busily with his little paws and muttering to himself, up we go, up we go, till at last, pop. His snout came out into the sunlight and he found himself rolling in the warm grass of a great meadow. This is fine, he said to himself. This is better than washing. The sunshine struck hot on his fur. Soft breezes caressed his heated brow. And after the seclusion of the cellarage he had lived in so long, the carol of happy birds fell on his dulled hearing, almost like a shout. Jumping off all his four legs at once, in the joy of living 
and the delight of spring without its cleaning, he pursued his way across the meadow till he reached the hedge on the further side. Hold up, said an elderly rabbit in the gap, sixpence for the privilege of passing by a private road. He was bowled over in an instant by the impatient and contemptuous mole, who trotted along the side of the hedge, chafing the other rabbits as they peeked hurriedly from their holes to see what the row was about. Onion sauce, onion sauce, he remarked jeeringly, and was gone before they could think of a thoroughly satisfactory reply. Then, they all started grumbling at each other. How stupid are you? Why didn't you tell him? Why didn't you say? You might have reminded him. And so on, in the usual way. But, of course, it was then much too late, as is always the case. It all seemed too good to be true. Hither and thither, through the meadows he rambled busily, along the hedgerows and across the copses, finding everywhere birds building flowers budding, leaves thrusting, everything happy and progressive and occupied, and instead of having an uneasy conscience pricking him and whispering, spring cleaning, he somehow could only feel how jolly it was to be the only idle dog among all these busy citizens. After all, the best part of a holiday is perhaps not so much the resting yourself as to see all the other fellows busy working. He thought his happiness was complete then, as he meandered aimlessly along. Suddenly, he stood by the edge of a full-fed river. Never in his life had he seen a river before. This sleek, sinuous, full-bodied animal, chasing and chunkling, gripping things with a gurgle and leaving them with a laugh to fling itself on fresh playmates that shook themselves free and were caught and held again. All was a shake and a shiver, glints and gleams and sparkles, rustle and swirl, chatter and bubble. The mole was bewitched, entranced, fascinated. By the side of the river he trotted, as one trots when very small, by the side of a man who holds one spellbound by exciting stories, and when tired at last, he sat on the bank, while the river still chattered to him, a babbling procession of the best stories in the world, sent from the heart of the earth, to be told at last to the insatiable sea. As he sat on the grass and looked across the river, a dark hole in the bank opposite, just above the water's edge, caught his eye, and dreamily he fell into considering what a nice, snug dwelling place it would make for an animal with few wants and fond of a bijou riverside residence, above flood level and remote from noise and dust. As he gazed, something bright and small seemed to twinkle down in the heart of it, vanished, then twinkled once more like a tiny star. But, it could hardly be a star in such an unlikely situation, and it was too glittering and too small for a glowworm. 
Then, as he looked, it winked at him, and so declared itself to be an eye, and a small face began to gradually grow around it, like a frame round a picture. A little face with whiskers, a grave round face with the same twinkle in its eye that had first attracted his notice. Small, neat brown ears with thick, silky brown hair. It was the water rat. Hello, mole, said the water rat. Hello, rat, said the mole. Would you like to come over? inquired the rat. Oh, it's all very well to talk, said the mole rather pettishly. He being new to a river and riverside life and its ways, the rat said nothing, but stooped and unfastened a rope and hauled on it, then lightly stepped into a little boat which the mole had not observed. It was painted blue outside and white within, and was just the size for two animals, and the mole's whole heart went out to it at once, even though he did not yet fully understand its uses. The rat sculled smartly across and made fast, then he held up his forepaw as the mole stepped gingerly down. Lean on that, he said. Now then, step lively, and the mole, to his surprise and rapture, found himself actually seated in the stern of a real boat. This has been a wonderful day, he said, as the rat shoved off and took to the skulls again. Do you know, I've never been in a boat before in all my life. What? cried the rat, open mouthed. Never been in a- you've never- what have you been doing then? Is it so nice as all that? asked the mole shyly, though he was quite prepared to believe it as he leant back in his seat and surveyed the cushions, the oars, the rowlocks, and all the fascinating fittings and felt the boat sway lightly under him. Nice. It's the only thing, said the water rat solemnly, as he leant forward for his stroke. Believe me, my young friend, there is nothing, absolute nothing half so much worth doing as simply messing about in boats. Simply messing, he went on dreamily. Messing about in boats, messing. Look ahead, rat! cried the mole suddenly. It was too late. The boat struck the bank full tilt. The dreamer, the joyous oarsman, lay on his back at the bottom of the boat, his heels in the air. About in boats, or with boats, the rat went on composedly, picking himself up with a pleasant laugh. In or out of them, it doesn't matter. Nothing seems really to matter. That's the charm of it. Whether you get away, or whether you don't, whether you arrive at your destination, or whether you reach somewhere else, or whether you never get anywhere at all, you're always busy, and you never do anything in particular. And when you've done it, there's always something else to do, and you can do it if you like, but you'd much better not. Look here, if you've really nothing else on hand this morning, Suppose we drop down the river together, and have a long day of it. 
The mole waggled his toes from sheer happiness, spread his chest with a sigh of full contentment, and leaned back blissfully into the soft cushions. What a day I'm having, he said. Let us start at once. Hold hard a minute, then, said the rat. He looped the painter through a ring in his landing stage, climbed up into his hole above, and after a short interval, reappeared, staggering under a fat wicker luncheon basket. Shove that under your feet, he observed to the mole, as passed it down into the boat. Then he untied the painter and took to the skulls again. What's inside? asked the mole, wriggling with curiosity. There's cold chicken inside it, replied the rat briefly. Cold tongue, cold ham, cold beef, pickled gherkins, salad, french rolls, sandwiches, spotted meat, ginger beer, lemonade, soda water. Oh stop, stop, cried the mole in ecstasies. This is too much. Do you really think so? inquired the rat seriously. It's only what I always take on these little excursions, and the other animals are always telling me that I'm a mean beast and cut it very fine. The mole never heard a word he was saying, absorbed in the new life he was entering upon. Intoxicated with the sparkle, the ripple, the scents and the sounds and the sunlight, he trailed a paw in the water and dreamed long, waking dreams. The water rat, like the good little fellow he was, sculled steadily on and forbore to disturb him.